From the Los Angeles Times, this is Coronavirus in California, stories from the front lines. I'm Gustavo Arellano. It's Friday, May 15th. Today, California's rural areas often feel isolated from what happens in L.A., San Francisco, San Diego, and the state's more famous urban areas. Up in the northern reaches, in places like Crescent City and Alturas, the population is majority white, overwhelmingly Republican, and has barely been touched by coronavirus. My colleague Haley Branson-Potts covers a variety of issues for the Metro Desk at the LA Times, but one of her specialties is the stories of rural California. A native of a small town in Oklahoma, Haley brings a natural empathy to her reporting. She says even in the good times, the Golden State's mountain towns and desert outposts feel neglected by Sacramento. Blue Shield of California would like to take this moment to thank the mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, daughters, sons, friends, and heroes on the front line. This fight is tough, but so are you. And we're grateful for your courage and your dedication to keeping us all safe and healthy. Thank you. Haley, it's interesting uh, when we talk about rural California and the way coronavirus has affected it, because on one hand, it's not getting the rates of infections or deaths the way, say, L.A. County or San Francisco is doing it. But in many other ways, coronavirus has really affected life in those communities. Oh, it absolutely has. I mean, these are smaller communities. So the impact of a business closure there, it's magnified, you know, not only because there are so many more mom and pops. Um, I spoke to someone in Siskiyou County who said something like, you know, 98% of the businesses there are small businesses. They have a smaller tax base to support them. So often rural communities are slower to recover from economic crises. A lot of them never never really recovered from the 2008 recession. So you're right, even though it's um, the virus itself is spreading more slowly there, the impact is huge. There is a uh, coordinated push to get things open up there that's, uh, that's pretty vocal. And part of that also just comes from the politics up there. And when we talk about rural California for this specifically, I'm thinking about the counties up in Sierra Nevada, like northern, northern California, the, the, the places that us in Southern California rarely even think about. I, I mean, rural California, it includes, of course, small communities in the, in the Central Valley and down in Imperial County, but um, especially up in northern California, which is, you know, everything north of Sacramento is primarily small towns. You know, the, the response certainly is different. I mean, it's a more conservative area for sure. People are getting impatient with the lockdown anyway. I mean, everywhere across the country. But but there, it, you know, it's a different feeling because they do have so few cases. It's rare that you would know somebody who has the illness. It's just a different feeling up there. And also, it's one thing just for their own small businesses there and try to reopen life for them. But it's about to be summer. They're also a lot of them are also relying on the tourists that come from all across the United States to go up, at least pass through their towns on the way to Yosemite or Modoc or all these other places. Right. So what's been really interesting, I mean, the, at least the last you know two decades or so, even in these very small communities that you wouldn't necessarily think of as tourist towns, you know, these are communities I, I'm thinking in particular of, um, you know, like Del Norte County. It's a small community, but they are increasingly reliant on tourism. Uh, the logging and fishing jobs that used to sustain them, those are gone, or they're, you know, a fraction of the jobs that used to be there. So they've had to kind of remake their economies anyway to try to be, you know, more friendly to tourists. And so this is just 
devastating for them. One of the cities up there, Crescent City, it's the county seat of Del Norte County, you know, they had even before COVID-19 been so desperate for tourism that they were marketing their disasters that happen there, which are tsunamis. They're repeatedly hit by tsunamis. And so they need tourism money so badly that they, they market it. You know, it's like, oh, come to Tsunami Town, you know, see this crazy thing. So it's, uh, it's pretty brutal for tourism in these places. And, and that's, that's going to hurt. Yeah, I mean, that's a sad irony because you wrote that story a, a couple of months ago. And it was so, you know, it was such a touching story because you feel for these cities are devastated by just the, the economy, uh, you know, the, the loss of timber and fishing. Now they're trying to recreate themselves with the disaster. Now another different type of disaster hits that can't even allow them to promote themselves on the tsunamis that they were banking on. Right, exactly. I mean, one of the things there, they were planning to build a uh, big tsunami center, you know, to maybe draw in school bus loads of kids and visitors. And I don't know what the status of that is at this point, but it'll be interesting to see with the pandemic. Yeah, it's uh, it's a big hit. You mentioned school buses. There's another story you did about how it's affecting kids up in up in Northern California, especially where they rely on schools to be able to eat a school lunch. Now, with schools shut down, you have bus drivers going at least an hour and a half each way to be able to feed these children. Right. So, you know, aside from the economic impacts, the impacts on rural California kids is is huge. Some of these counties and and, and I'll count, you know, some of the farming communities in the middle of the state and the desert communities in the in the southern part of the state as well, they're very far flung. So whereas, you know, LAUSD, you've got food pickup centers and, you know, places where you can, you know, you've got you've got families coming to pick up meals. That's not possible in, say, Trinity County, where some of your bus routes on a normal day are an hour and a half each way. And so as the pandemic lengthens and time, more families are reliant on these school meals. And, you know, the bus drivers are are driving their regular routes because, you know, the family might not be able to drive into town an hour and a half each, each day. You know, it might be too expensive. So the challenges of just connecting with these families that rely on the schools is enormous. And one of the terms that you know, was used by a a superintendent in actually down in Imperial County. You know, she said that these rural districts are have a lot of wraparound services. They do more than classroom instruction. So there, one of the things they're um, trying to figure out how to navigate. So there's a small town in the southeast corner of the state called Winter Haven. And there are stones throw from Yuma, Arizona. But a lot of the families, it's a very poor town. A lot of families are on Medi-Cal and have, you know, state health benefits. And so the school district actually drives kids an hour to the county seat in El Centro for dentist appointments and eye doctor appointments just to stay in state. And so if schools reopen with social distancing, they don't think they'll be able to continue those trips because you're in a van together in close quarters with a district employee. So you've got that. You've got very low internet access in rural California. So just as they've switched to distance learning, that's been extremely problematic. You've got teachers up in Siskiyou County who accept printed homework on their front porches and a principal is taking it in her mailbox. So it's just the logistical challenges are are very great.
This LA Times podcast is presented by Blue Shield of California. The fight is tough, but so are you. Thank you, Frontline. This advertiser has no influence over editorial decisions or content. Haley, how has the California government responded to the the particular needs of rural California then? I mean, in in regard to the schools, uh, there's been um, quite a lot of response to the special needs there. I mean, the State Department of Education has um, done a lot of uh, surveying, uh, especially rural school districts, for the need for um, Internet services. You know, there's been a lot of talk about the digital divide, the, how much that's kind of played out. They're speaking about it. You know, they, they've, you know, expressed a desire to hand out laptops and hotspots for, for rural kids who don't have Internet access. You know, that's, that's kind of disconjointed in a way. So it's, uh, you know, a lot of the state representatives of those areas and local leaders are, are certainly trying to make sure that their needs are, are heard. Governor Newsom has has repeatedly said that, you know, it's it's the state that that makes the call. You know, it won't as much be up to local government, although that you know they'll take that into consideration. I think this week it sounds sounded a little more um, kind of open to local needs, but yeah, it's it's been uh, the response kind of changes every day. It seems like. Given that a lot of these small towns haven't been as affected the way a lot of the urban areas have in California, is there resentment towards Sacramento because what they're issuing is like a lockdown for an entire state? Oh, of course. And I mean, that's 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 natural, uh, even in the best of circumstances. I mean, especially in Northern California, it is a much more conservative area. I mean, of course, the most extreme uh, bit of that is... You know, there, there's the efforts to, you know, people want to carve out their own separate state of, they call it the state of Jefferson. You know, long time idea. You know, a lot of people up there, you know, whether they have that belief or not, it is more conservative. They do feel like their needs are not as well paid attention to. Of course, there's resentment. You know, I did actually speak to some leaders of the Jefferson movement up there. And, you know, they were interesting because they said, you know, we do take this seriously. You know, we um, were going out with masks. You know, I spoke to a couple in their 80s who they're not leaving their home. You know, they they have no doubt that this exists. But, you know, they said uh, this is kind of our, our rights. You know, it's the state, you know, really overreaching, really overstepping their bounds here, especially given our differences with the more urban areas farther south. And the longer this goes on... Um, the more of that is kind of coming out. Basically, a one-size-fits-all mindset does not work, is what they're saying. You're doing these stories not over the phone for the most part. You're actually going up to these communities and talking to those folks. So how, how do you prepare for hours-long drives up there, and especially going to these small towns where not only are you an outsider, but you're coming down from Los Angeles? I actually have been on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> well, in reading your stories, it seems like you're right there and then. So that's a testament to your great writing then. Well, th- no, I, I really, really appreciate that. I have the benefit of, uh, uh, I'm from a small town. I grew up in a town of 5,000 people in Oklahoma. So, you know, people do kind of open up to me a bit. And I mean, I, I've been very lucky the last couple of years. A lot of these are communities that you're right. I have been able to visit in person. You know, I spent 
quite a lot of time in Del Norte County a couple of months ago, and I had spent uh, spent a lot of time in Plumas and Lawson County, and so these these are areas I'm familiar with, which really helps. And people do uh, they do open up a bit more when I tell them, you know, this is um, you know this is like home to me. There is some hesitation, but then once I kind of give them my background, it, <laughs> it warms people up a little bit. It's so easy for urban folks to stereotype rural folks. So what's one thing you would tell us urban folks about the rural folks, at least how coronavirus is affecting them? Because you see these uh, on the news, you'll see like, oh, protests in small towns. People aren't practicing social distancing. And the easy response from folks on the left, especially, is like, oh, those Republicans, they don't care about anything at all. But obviously they do care about how it's affecting them. I, I mean, I think they are they are very aware of of how they're perceived. And again, I say this is someone who you know I would count myself among these people with my with my background. You know, being a rural person, you know, you you have kind of an automatic defensiveness to yourself, understandably. I mean, I think what I would say is they, you know, of course you're gonna you do see the protesters. I mean, there's protesters here in urban Southern California. By and large, most people absolutely are taking this seriously you know they're not they're not cavalier it's just that they just have a different consideration there because the case numbers are so small but everyone i have spoken to it's kind of a you know respect it don't fear it attitude you know it's after my my rural schools story opened it was kind of funny i got a number of emails from the people i had talked to saying you know Thank you for not making us uh, sound like fools. People are, you know, they're sensitive to how they're being perceived. You know, they want people to know they, of course, they're taking this seriously. That's it for today's episode of Coronavirus in California, Stories from the Front Lines. Thanks for listening. Do you have a story you want to share with us? Call our hotline at 213-986-5652 and leave us a message. That's 213-986-5652 or email me. Gustavo.Ariano at latimes.com. This podcast was hosted by me, Gustavo Ariano. Our producers are Paige Heimson and Stan Lee. Our senior producer is Rena Palta, and our executive producer is Abby Fentra Swanson. Our engineer is Mike Heflin, and our original music was composed by Andrew Epen. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a five star review on Apple. Special gracias to Julia Turner, Shelby Grad, Hector Becerra, and Clint Schaff. For the latest coronavirus stories by my LA Times colleagues, including an up-to-the-minute tracker of cases across California, don't forget to visit our website. Right now, access to facts has never been more important, and the LA Times is in the business of reporting them. Stay connected and subscribe because your subscription supports the production of podcasts like this one and our award-winning journalism. Visit latimes.com support LA Times to subscribe. Stay safe and see you Monday.